Welcome to Filling the Gap. Suicide isn't the most holiday-friendly subject to discuss, but it's a necessary one. Suicide in the U.S. is the 10th leading cause of death. Its prevalence isn't only in the U.S., but worldwide. This is a global issue. People are hurting in every way, and we've been kind of silent. We know it's a problem around us, but it's not a problem within our church, right? Jen is a young adult who struggled with mental health and suicide ideation throughout her whole life. The miracle and beauty in her story is her life, that she's here and alive to share with us what we can do to help those struggling like she has. I grew up in an Adventist home in Vancouver, Washington. My dad was away a lot and my mom worked at the school I went to and was focused on my brother and sister pretty often. So I kind of was left alone a lot at home and I was responsible for taking care of like a lot of the things around the house, making sure dinner happened and things were clean, making sure my siblings did what they were supposed to. Um, And I would constantly see like my mom helping my siblings and telling them like, oh, you need to do this. Make sure you're brushing your teeth. Make sure you do this. Uh, Make sure you're doing your homework. I remember feeling like really jealous of that. Like I didn't get enough care taken of me, but I saw everybody else getting that. And I kind of wondered, like, why didn't my mom care about me? Why didn't my dad message me but wrote my sister a letter? Things like that. And it really made me feel like I didn't matter. Like, I was the kid that my parents just didn't quite care about. So I guess I just had, like, this overwhelming feeling of isolation as a kid that made me feel worthless. Even though she was surrounded by people, it only enhanced the feelings of isolation. And I had lots of cousins and family surrounding me that would bully me and tell me that I wasn't strong, I was the weak one, I'm this, I'm that, and eventually it really started to stick with me. Like, I didn't feel like I was that great of a person. So when I was about age five, was the first time I remember just not wanting to live. I remember telling my parents, it's okay if I die, I just don't wanna be here anymore. It doesn't matter to me. And I was just this little kid who had such deep thoughts of this. And I remember looking at my little sister who said, no, you're supposed to be here. And she's like just this little baby almost. And I remember thinking, okay, no, I need to stay for my sister and just kind of went about things, but the feelings would keep coming back because I just didn't feel like I mattered at home. Um, And it just seemed like the world would be better without me. Like I didn't need to be here. I didn't need to suffer through all these things that I constantly felt I was suffering through. But there was respite for Jen through all of this. She found solace at her school had people fighting over me in the playground and given that's not what you should be doing on the playground and the friends you should keep probably should all be happy with each other but 
you know, as kids, you do have those wars. No, you're my best friend. No, I'm your best friend. And so experiencing that made me feel a little bit better, but that was only at school. So once I got home, the feelings returned and I was just down in my little self walking alone outside because that's what I would do to be away from my siblings who would kind of torment me. I would just be outside all the time listening to music. As Jen grew up, she learned to cope with these painful experiences and feelings. But things started to get more difficult as her health declined. I had been getting all these really bad asthma attacks. And I kept just saying, oh, I just have asthma. It's fine. Give me a few minutes. I'll be able to breathe. But there was this one day when there must have been like fires or something. I could not breathe. It had been about 30 minutes. I could not even catch my breath. So they took me to the ER and I had to go straight into the hospital room. Like they didn't even let me wait Um, and started giving me this medicine where I couldn't even feel my hands. And it was just very terrifying. Like, I had no idea what was happening. I started getting severe back pain, and every time I got sick, it would last like three weeks, and I'd miss a lot of school. I managed to keep my grades up, though, and not fall behind, but I just kind of thought I was a weak person, like I wasn't taking care of myself right or something. The feelings of isolation were returning. Jen was feeling more left out from others due to her health condition. My peers were able to finish school. Obviously, I had to stop school. I couldn't keep up with it. Um, And they got to go, you know, live out their lives, start families. And I was just trying to figure out what's the sickness that's happening now? What's the new medication we're going to try now? And it separated me from all those social interactions everyone else was going through. So it was kind of hard to keep up with my friends and talk to them. I kind of drew back a little bit, stopped talking to everybody because it was just too hard sometimes. It separates you from a lot of the people in the world who just don't get it. They've never been there. They've never experienced it. They don't know how to talk to you about it. And a lot of people would make me feel bad about my limitations, but I had to see them because otherwise, you know, I'm going to end up in a hospital or something again, and it's not fun. And it made me look down on myself a lot. It wasn't until college that I went to more doctors and was told that I have arthritis and uh, fibromyalgia and all these autoimmune diseases that are probably only gonna get worse over time. And that kind of brought a new struggle into my life, which was accepting that I'm not gonna get better like I imagined I'd get better. It's been a struggle to accept all of that and accept being different in that way. Feeling worthless, hopeless, and helpless Jen began to act on her suicidal thoughts. In about 2012, it was my senior year of high school. I had moved to college at that point because I had good grades and just was not getting enough out of school in high school. I felt very, very low because I had realized I was sick and wasn't going to get better. 
and decided it just wasn't worth it to me to go on anymore. And I had attempted several times. It didn't work. Back then, the feelings were, why is nothing I'm trying working? Why am I stuck here? Why do I have to live this life like it's a sentence? All the things that I was struggling with seemed way too big for me to handle. I was broken on the floor and crying every single night and felt like I had no hope at all. It was pretty miserable. My parents forced me to go to a hospital and I was in one of those padded rooms hearing people scream around me and it kind of hit me when I was sitting in there that if I'm gonna get help, I don't wanna get it here. And I remember talking it out with that counselor who came in and deciding that day, I am not gonna let myself come back here. As frightening and traumatic as this experience was, Jen found that it helped her seek something else. I think we often believe because we have God in our lives, things will get better, that we won't struggle with mental health or suicidal thoughts. But we do and we probably will. That's the human condition. But while God was all around Jen in her home, her school, and her church, her condition hid any light from coming in. When I was struggling with suicide, I blocked out religion. I, not that I wasn't religious at all, just I didn't think about it. My brain was so focused on getting out that I wasn't thinking about God or what it meant to do what I was doing. Um, after the fact, I did, and I would pray, and I would say, you know, if I'm supposed to be here, show me what I'm supposed to do. But during those low moments, it was kind of just me in the world, which probably is a reason why it was so dark. I wasn't letting the light in. You're just so focused on this big thing that's like taking over everything. It's like this dark cloud is hiding your view. You can't really see the people who love you even. You just, you're broken in your own brokenness. You know, as a kid, I was like, oh, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? Oh, this is my purpose. I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a psychologist. Um, And then I kept hitting all these walls and it was like, well, what do you want my purpose to be? I feel like I can't grow towards anything because I keep hitting walls here and there. And it made it hard to focus on God sometimes. And that's kind of where I turned it around. I decided to try and go to churches. One day when I was in church worship service, I was singing and I just felt this voice in my head saying, you're sick for a reason. I made you this way for a reason. Otherwise, you wouldn't stop. You'd keep going, going, going. You'd be all over the place. I needed you here to reach certain people and show love. And it really hit me because it made sense. I was like, I guess you're right. I wouldn't be still. I wouldn't reach the people that you needed me to reach unless I was in this situation. And it gave me hope. God sees where we are and meets us there. If things happen that hurt or break us, He can restore it. God doesn't create evil, 
But when it happens, he heals us. And in return, we can help others. In college, when I was working with students in psychology and Spanish and French and all of that, just talking with all the students and feeling like, oh, I'm actually really good at this, it kind of boosted my thoughts on life. I wanted to be at places every day. I was excited to go to work. Um, and it really just made me happy to be alive because I got to do that. And given I did have to leave it all, but I never stopped doing those things. And I made really good friends while I was doing those things. I still talk to them all the time. And just having all those connections and doing things that I really cared about really boosted my self-esteem and my self-worth. And it made me feel like, yeah, I want to be here. I want to do this for others. I want to hang out with these people. And I just had more things that kept me here, I guess. What was once missing in Jen's life is what she's giving to others. There's beauty in the irony of a life transformed. And Jen shares how to be more attentive and pour love into those around you. People had come up to me telling me that I am so good at showing love in ways that are not romantic and letting people know that they're loved. And it kind of just ended up becoming my purpose over time. It is something that I really care about showing to people because in my life, I would have benefited from someone telling me that, from someone showing me that love. And to me, that's the most important thing that I should be doing right now is showing people that you can be loved no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've done. When I see somebody struggling really bad, I watch them. I look at what's going on around them, how they might feel, and I kind of bring that up to them. I just say, hey, I notice that you kind of seem to be dealing with this. You seem really sad about these things and people aren't seeing you when you do this great thing. And they're like, how, how did you notice that? And it kind of opens them up to talk about the different struggles that they're going through. And I just kind of talk it out with them and say, you know, I think you're really positive here, here, and here. And don't let these things that are blocking your view break you. Other people see you and you're a really strong person and just try and give them hope in the things that they're really good at and talk with them about it. Mental health is a lifelong journey. Jen shares some important insight on some signs and symptoms of someone who may be struggling like she was. The symptoms would usually be stop talking to your friends, Stop associating with family as much. Um, not coming out of your room as often. Staying in bed too long. Um, not taking care of your own hygiene sometimes comes up. Um, listening to a lot of dark music can happen. I definitely was there. You know, it helps to hear someone singing about the things you're going through when you're going through them. So, um... Eating, sometimes people eat too much, other people stop altogether. 
I was one of the ones who stopped eating and was not good. I would go to Bridges a lot just to scope things out. Um, I'd find myself going to dangerous places more often that I wouldn't normally go to if I was worried about living. Jen is in a better place. She's learned to create a lifestyle that suits her needs and accommodates for her health concerns. Before, she feared life. Now, she has fought off death and embraces the adventures that is found in the world around her. I was really afraid to travel anywhere thinking, oh, I'm just going to get so sick, I won't be able to enjoy it, I won't be able to handle this. And this last spring, my friend convinced me to go to Guatemala with her. And I got there and I was terribly, terribly sick. But I made it and I handled it all. And it gave me the courage to go out there and do things. Like now that I experienced the bad side, I know I can handle it. And it gave me the courage to be able to say, yeah, I can do that. So just this year, I went to Guatemala, and then I went to Australia to visit my friend for the first time. He named his child after me. One day, you know, he says, I'm having a kid. I'm like joking, saying, oh, well, you have to name your kid after me. And they actually did. So little Jen lives in Australia. Meeting her kind of changed my life. She's the cutest kid in the world. And... Definitely made me feel better about myself, thinking, wow, that's such a big gift to give somebody to name your child after them. Makes you feel like, oh, I didn't know I was this important to you. And yeah, it was, it's amazing. Healing in her life has brought her new experiences and wonder from around the world. And it has also healed family brokenness. My parents and I have gotten really close. I'd say my mom's one of my best friends. We talk every day and our relationship is 10 times better than it ever used to be. I'm very thankful for that. I opened up to them. I told them about my childhood and what I felt had happened, asked them questions. And it wasn't easy. We cried a lot, we fought a lot, and it hurt. But opening those bandages let me develop scars to heal and be stronger for it. Like my parents thanked me for talking to them about those hard subjects and being open about it. So this is where you come in. This is how we fill those gaps. So if you notice somebody dealing with mental health struggles or depression, um, I would say be very open with them and don't judge them. Let them be themselves and tell their story if they're trying to tell it to you. But most of all, just accept them and don't focus on making them feel isolated or different from you. Try and find similarities with them. Try and bring them out of their box to connect with you because that's what they really need is to be connecting. And for those listening, who are struggling right now, there is hope. All is not lost. I would say open up, tear off band-aids that are preventing you from healing if you have them. Um, it's not easy to open up or to talk about those things, but 
until you do, they're probably always going to stick with you. So what helped me was to talk about it, open it up, talk to the people that I had dwelling issues with, or not even issues, but bad feelings, things that I was holding in that hurt me in the past. It really helped to talk to those people and figure out what their side was, what was going on, let them know, hey, this really hurt me. And it kind of just helps you handle it. It doesn't go away, but it allows you to become stronger because of it and understand yourself in those situations. It's not gonna happen all at once, but it does happen as long as you open up and let it happen. Some of these steps may seem simple, but they can be life-saving. We feel uncomfortable talking about suicide and death, but talking about it is what destigmatizes the disease. It can be an invisible force for some. That's why we may need the vigilant and loving eyes of Jen. We may need to push past our comfort levels to make sure that those around us are cared for and connected. We need to come with empathetic hearts and not ones of judgment. We will have resources and information on our episode show notes. I encourage you all, as the year closes and a new one begins, to reach out to others. Check in on the family and friends who are in difficult circumstances. It could just save a life. Next time on Filling the Gap, Colby shares about his dream of planting a church where 90% of church plants die. It's like, does it matter where you're from, what socioeconomic status you are? Does it matter, you know, your race or your, your religion? There's room at the table of Jesus. There's room at his feet. Everybody, anybody can come to him. And I, I think that is one of the strongest points of intersection that we have, just this unconditional acceptance in the gospel and what that looks like, you know. Uh, I think that could be very appealing and attractive to a, to a society that's looking for acceptance. <laughs>